Welcome to Real Financial Planning, broadcast on WKXL and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Matt Roberson, and I'm joined, as always, by Mike Morton, not only the provider of important financial advice, but also the host of Financial Planning for Entrepreneurs, an outstanding podcast, almost as good as my podcast. It's like a podcast <laughs> rivalry. Mike, That's how right. are you? Good, man. Doing great here at the end of the year, trying to rush to the finish line and, and get a break from it all. <laughs> yeah, I look, we get to the end of the year. Everyone wants to do out. Let's take stock. Here's a suggestion. Just I, I know it's going to be Oh, I got it. I got it. That was a good one. Let's take stock. Oh. Before we <laughs> came to get on us the going. Air, Mike and I were talking about dad jokes and I delivered him this one. All, all the dads, moms too, it's fine. How can you tell when someone's telling a dad joke? It's a parent. See? Oh, man, we're losing our younger demographic as we speak. Here's the thing. Everyone wants to do a end of year, let's look back, the year that was. I feel like right now, especially with this Omicron wave, people are saying, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to think one more second about the year that was. And yet, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. Because I, I do think it's inherently interesting. And like, maybe we have too much of a, we're finishing out the year it's dark. We're literally recording this, by the way, on the darkest day of the year. So it's it's dark. It's depressing. There's an Omicron wave. And I, I think people are a little downbeat. There are many upside stories to mm-hmm. 2021. There's a lot to dig one's teeth into. So let's do it. Let's look at the good, bad, and ugly. <laughs> Um, yeah. And we'll try and focus a little less on the ugly. <laughs> it's going to be hard. Let's keep, we'll keep it the good one. That's, what we, that's why we're not on video yet. <laughs> Just oh, yeah, That's right. Oh, man. So uh, smart. This is why we've been talking about doing this as video as well. And we'll save it. That'll be next year. Yeah, All right. Well, then we'll start really getting the negative comments. The, re- the reason I like doing the uh, looking back for a year, Matt, is there's also – it's amazing to me what m- the number of things that have happened – just in this one year, it seems so long ago, the start of the year. And so you even think back in your personal life, and I challenge everybody, just give it a moment of thought. Where were you? January, February. It was. It seems so long ago. And think of all the wonderful things that you have accomplished this 12 months. Undoubtedly, you have come a lot further, gotten a lot of things done, learned a lot of things. And it's just amazing. To be able to look back and say, wow, I can't believe where I was a year ago and how much I've accomplished and moved forward. Right. Uh, and so that's why looking back and taking stock of that and then getting ready for the next year. Using that, looking backwards and say, well, what did I accomplish? What was great? And using that as a springboard for understanding, wow, I got another 12 months next year. What kind of things I'm really looking forward to getting done? Right. To some degree, this is actually for any Jewish listeners out there. This is part of on the Jewish calendar. At the end of the year, you literally cast out the negative stuff from the year behind before you move forward to the year ahead. So there is some value in this, even if we do focus on the ugly. The other thing I like about doing this kind of a show with you is that you have much more expertise, obviously, in business, personal investing, personal finance, that kind of whole sphere of life. My focus is a lot more on current events, politics, society, government. And so I... I feel like that's a nice intersection, a nice way to think about one's own life, one's own picture through the lens of big picture events and and how those two intersect with one another. All right. Have we preambled this enough? Yeah, I think so. Let's go. All right. We've done the copies. So look, let's get the upfront stuff out of the way. 
first. When you think back to 2021, you are definitely going to think back to some crazy stuff. So let's just get that all out there. What's the crazy stuff that you're going to think back to? To me, there's a couple of things. One, one first that pops in my head is the election, the contested election from your, gosh, that's what seems so long ago now, the, the number of things that has happened, that have happened since then. So that's one thing that I think the contested election and the riots and all of that, all of those things, I think back to, to that at the start of the year. And the other thing that really stands at the top level for me is the difference between what the economy is doing and people's personal lives versus the stock market. I always view the stock market kind of in isolation just with the numbers, like whatever it's giving me, whatever it's saying, hey, here's where it is today. Here's the makeup of the market, what it's doing in isolation with from the economy and the news and everything else. And it's just a, continues to be amazing how the two are divergent in so many ways. The market's been on an absolute tear for the last couple of years. And our personal lives, of course, have had lots of up and downs. Yeah, it really does bring home for me how much your attitude matters, the, the perspective that you bring into it, like uh, Empire Strikes Back, it's Luke goes to confront Vader in the cave. It's what are you going to find in there? Only what you bring with you. So if you bring some so a negative baggage perspective to it, so I can tell you a negative story that you'll find in there. It's we nearly had a coup, so that's not great. <laughs> and then <clears throat> we had the highest inflation that we've had since the early 80s. That's mm-hmm. not fantastic either. Those two pieces of data alone would be like, eh, not such a good year. On the other hand, we didn't have a coup. And we may have come dangerously close. But I think the reaction of Wall Street was interesting to that. It was that we prevailed. We came through that. We came through this period of instability. And it set off this amazing run-up in the market where the people who try and look ahead and say, what are businesses going to do? What's the economy going to do? What are consumers going to do in the future? They're all feeling bullish. They're all feeling good. And inflation is real. I'm not dismissing it. I'm not dismissing the impact it has on individual people's lives. At the same time, there are a lot of good news stories here. Individual consumers built up $2.3 trillion in additional savings across the course of the pandemic. The average household checking account was 50% higher in 2021 than it was in 2019. So people built up savings for three months in the fall. People in consecutive months, we set new records for people leaving their jobs because people were so enthusiastic about the possibility. They knew they could find another job. And so people are making a lot of personal choices about, I don't like the track that I'm on. I can find something better. And that speaks of optimism. Obviously, wages are up 5% year over year. The GDP, the aggregate of, of the output of the economy, is up very strongly. We had a slower growth in the third quarter, but very strong growth in the second quarter. It looks like we're going to have strong growth in the fourth quarter. But you can tell yourself all of these data points as well and say, there are real struggles. And no one likes where we're at with the pandemic right now. But there's an awful lot of good news embedded in that. Yeah, it's interesting listening to you with all the statistics and because that's exactly right. There's so much great news in aggregate in terms of the business and the economy and personal savings. But isn't it interesting how your personal life is so 
up and down and there's so many problems and stress and frustration around the pandemic, job situations. If you're an employer, it's really hard to hire people right now. But at the same time, people uh, have a lot of people have money, have saved money, continue to spend money. And that's the big news to me over the last couple of years is that people have money and continue to spend it. And that's why when you talk about inflation, the supply and the demand for goods is really high. And that's straining the supply side. And so that's one of the reasons you get a lot of inflation. So it is good news around those fronts. And that's why the stock market has responded the way that it has. Businesses are still producing goods and services. There's still demand for those products and services. So they're making record profits and continue to grow. And so the stock market is rewarding them for that situation. And Quite honestly, I see that. I don't see any reasons. Of course, I can't know the future or see the future. But on that front, yeah, things are continue to go well. So I would not be surprised at all if the stock market you know, continues in that direction until we get that next real blip or change or something comes along that we can't foresee. I do want to talk about, this is, after all, a, a personal financial picture mm-hmm. show. I do want to look at everything through that lens. So I want to talk about the stock market and bonds and everything else on the personal investing front. I just want to comment, though, that one of the things most of the podcasting and radio that I do does focus on current events and politics and government and policy. And this is a little bit of a departure. I do this show with you. I do another show with the host of Motley Fool Money. It takes a different perspective, economy-wide, market-wide perspective. You focus more on the personal view uh, on the market. But one of the things that I've learned through that lens, through the both the personal investing and the stock market-wide lens that comes back and informs the thinking I do about politics and government and policy is you constantly preach the wisdom of taking a long-term perspective and not responding too rapidly and, and, and in too knee-jerk a way to the ups and downs, the vicissitudes of the market, what's going on in the financial picture Right now, it's the only way to avoid, A, performing worse because you mistime things inevitably. And you've pointed out that 80% of funds that try and time the market do worse than just index funds that let things ride and go with the market. Anyway, when we go through a year like this, with so many ups and downs, with so much uncertainty, I've actually found it very helpful to have these conversations with you week after week, looking at a different slice of personal investing because the meta message overlying all of it has been take a long-term view. Think about the long-term trajectory of your goals, where you're heading in life, what it is you want to accomplish, and whether the financial piece of that is enabling you and driving you toward those goals. And when you think about it in those terms, you end up feeling, I, I certainly do, more positive and more able to look past the roller coaster ride of a year like 2021, or for that matter, 2020. So I find it very helpful. I'm happy to turn now to talk about stock markets and whatnot. But anyway, that to me is the intersection of those two topics, your expertise and what I tend to focus on. Yeah, yeah, no, and I appreciate it and totally agree by hearing a consistent message is very powerful in a number of fields. So let's talk about that in terms of the stock market and the personal finance and your overall goals. Realize in the last couple of years, and we've talked about this before, they, the stock market's been on a tear up over 20% two years in a row. I was just looking at the numbers. It's up 
over 16% annually for the last 10 years running. So if you have been a buy and hold investor over 10 years, just continue to put money in your 401k, doing that savings, just investing over time, you have done tremendously well over the last 10 years. So I said earlier, I kind of put the stock market in one bucket, put the economy and news in another bucket. Let's just look at the stock market in your portfolio. Now's a great time for revisiting that, checking in with your portfolio balance, checking in with the stocks versus the bonds mix. Because as we mentioned before in rebalancing, since the stocks have done so well over the last two years and 10 years, you want to make sure you have the right risk allocation for your portfolio. Stay in it for the long haul. If you have 5, 10, 20 years still of working, keep chugging along, keep putting money in there, keep investing it. And don't worry about what um, exactly is help coming next month or next year because you're in it for the long haul. So that's where the stock market is today. And then looking forward, what's going to happen next year and the next couple of years? I have no, I would not be surprised if it's up another 20% next year. We could be sitting here at the end of 2022. It could be up another 20%. Absolutely. We had 25 years from 1975 to 2000 where it was up 17% a year annually for 25 years. So would that surprise me? No, wouldn't surprise me. Would it surprise me, Matt, if we're sitting here a year from now and it's down 30%? No, that wouldn't surprise me either. That happens all the time. Every five or eight years, we have a 20 to 30% decline. And so that wouldn't surprise me. I'm expecting that to happen. So let me say that again. I'm expecting the market to be either up 20% or down 30%. Either of those are completely possible and my portfolio is allocated in such a way I'm ready. I have a plan if one of those happens or if the other happens. And you're limiting your exposure to the downside of each scenario. And we just, we talked about this just recently in a, in a recent show about you know, maybe after you've gone through a run-up in the stock market like this, look at your overall allocation, look at that pie chart, stocks and bonds. That's a pretty good litmus test for are you well defended against that kind of volatility or, or the possibility that things could go up or yeah. down? And let me say it this way too. It's not really... I'm, um limiting my potential downside. If the market goes down 30%, if the stocks go down 30% and I'm 80% invested in those, 80% in the stock markets, then I'm going to lose a significant amount of money, lose quote unquote on paper, a significant amount of money. But I know that I'm not selling next year. So if we're sitting here at the end of next year and it's down 30%, trust me, we'll be having a different kind of conversation, but it'll be the same outline, which will be hey, I'm still buying and holding. I'm still uh, not spending these, this money for 5, 10 plus years. And so on paper, it has gone down. But in terms of reaching my goals, I would still have an expectation that the stock market will go up that 6, 7% a year on average over the next 10 years. Hey, it's down 30% right now. So I'm hoping it'll continue to go back up and I will still reach my goals in 10 years. Now, notwithstanding, I know we started this discussion with, hey, you remember when the U.S. government was nearly toppled in a coup? <laughs> so notwithstanding that kind of thing, is there anything that could happen that's more vanilla, run-of-the-mill, mm-hmm. that would throw you off your long-term plan? As we do, I know we're looking back, not forward so much in this conversation, but given how you've positioned in all the year-end housekeeping that we just talked through in, in our recent shows, here are the steps to make sure you're saving on your taxes, positioning yourself. There is a possibility that the market's overheated. Is there anything that could happen that would really make you think, oh boy, I'm on the wrong ter- long-term plan. I need to really readjust my long-term plan. Yeah. 
I don't think so from that standpoint. And even though, even what you mentioned, hey, what if the U.S. government is having a serious issue and even even worse than our log jams that we're used to in terms of the politics, how would that change my outlook? I can tell you that I'm invested in the U.S. and I'm invested in the international markets. And I would highlight this for all the listeners that typically we have what's called a home bias. You're probably way more invested in the U.S. stock market than in the international markets. And I really think you should revisit that. It's rewarded you for the last 10 and 20 years. The U.S. market has gone up significantly more than the international market. Typically, Matt, that flip-flops every decade. So like 10 years, the international market will do better. The next 10 years, the U.S. market does better. So it's on these very long time horizons. If you want to think back 10 years, what's happened in 10 years, it'll be a whole different conversation. But so every 10 years, but in the U.S., the last 20 years, the U.S. has outperformed. So I still have an expectation that potentially the international outperformed. To answer your question, no, it would be something really out of left field. Look, we already had a pandemic. We almost had a coup, these things, and the market's still done well. So that gives you some um, confidence in what can happen. But I will say I would, significant, I would look at your U.S. versus international and continue to have a very good balance between those two. That's a really interesting point. We haven't really talked about international diversification much on this show yet, so bookmark that. Maybe we should talk about that a little bit in a future show, but that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. That is something... Almost all scenarios are things that if you take a long-term view and you're sufficiently diversified in a rational way, you can manage your risk, you can manage your goals. And I guess the one scenario is, look, NASA did send up the DART mission this year, which was meant to test whether we could deflect an asteroid that would come along and destroy all civilization and send us the way of the dinosaurs. Maybe there are exotic scenarios there where you, you, you'd have to intergalactically diversify your portfolio to protect yourself. That's right. I don't think you've done that. So, okay, that's ah, out there. Something but, to look forward to. Yeah. But otherwise, <laughs> barring Independence Day type scenarios, before, before I go all Christopher Nolan on this, you wanted to talk about, as part of this discussion, clean energy, clean tech, ESG yep. in general. Tell, tell everyone what ESG stands for and, and why does this come to mind as part yeah. of this year so, look back? We started this, the last discussion was around the stock market in general and how it's been going up. And we've talked about that a few times, but it's good to look backwards and realize what's happened and potentially how that might affect the future, which in my opinion is not one way or another. It could be up or it could be down next year. So really it doesn't have the past uh, results or no indicator of future performance. <laughs> so take that, understand that. In terms of ESG and, and this past year, so this is environmental social governance. All right, that's the ESG. So sustainable investing. This used to be called SRI, socially responsible investing. All of these terms um, about this green investing. Investing, you're putting your dollars towards investments that are better for the world, whether that's climate change, gender diversity, women leadership, whatever it is that you think is going to make a pod, the world a better place. All of that kind of falls under this umbrella. And it has really taken off this year. That's why I wanted to highlight it because, of course, all the listeners out there will have heard of these things, have been reading articles about this. There are new products and funds being promoted all around these topics everybody's very interested in having the best company towards these things. And that's great. That's good. The problem is that when there's a lot of demand for something, then you have to recognize what you're reading, who it's coming from, and what their motivations are. 
All right. So I always say the news outlets are there to, to write news stories. Okay. So their motivation is for you to keep clicking, keep coming back every day, spending time on the website or reading the next article. That's what they're there for. So you know that. So that's cool. And you get good information from them and that's fine. Recognize that Wall Street creates funds, ETFs, mutual funds, and wants to sell them. They get paid. The more money they have in their fund, the more money they make. So when you see marketing materials, hey, this is a great ESG fund, or it's great at this or that, recognize they would like your dollars because you're buying a product from them. You hope to make money. They hope that you make money, but they also are getting paid for that. So that's a problem with the overarching, this part of the industry, is that we're seeing a lot of that. Because of the demand for these types of products, you're seeing the supply ramping up and the marketing ramping up. And it's unclear how much good your dollars are actually doing when you purchase one of these products. Got it. I do want to ask about that. Although I also do want to comment on what you said a moment ago that past performance is no indicator of future performance. Do you realize that investing is the only realm where that's really true? If you're like a basketball fan, if LeBron James has dominated the league for 15 years, chances are reasonable that he might do pretty well in year 16. It's (laughs) like when people say, don't judge a book by its cover. Actually, Actually. the cover is a a fantastic source of information about what the book is about. And maybe you'll learn about the author. And hey, this is an author who I, I like. She's written some stuff I've read before and I like those things too. Maybe I'll like this book. Anyway, Past performance is no indicator of future performance. I get it. That's just, that seems wrong. What do you do? (laughs) What do you do about this greenwashing factor? If you are interested in, I don't know which word has a higher barf factor for me, sustainable (laughs) or responsible. They both sound pretty like, all right, get off your high horse here, people. (laughs) If you're interested in the kind of investing that also has a bit of a social mission that does something good in the world with your money how do you cut through the greenwashing factor and the fact that so many companies want to market that they're doing good things? How do you identify things that align with your interests and are doing something real? There's so much there, Matt, that it's hard to figure out where to start. But let me say this first. With every company, there's no real like – there aren't many black and white companies because – There could be great people working for that company trying to do great things, but maybe you don't believe in the product. Or maybe you really believe in the product, but they don't have a great way of doing going about how they're operating in terms of their internal policies and controls. How do you figure that out? You could spend all day and all year trying to just analyze individual companies with your perspective. And that's the thing. We're humans. So even if you believe, oh, this has got this kind of rating on it, that's some human trying to look at the data. And trying to say, oh, I believe this about them. And it's hard to tease these things out on an individual company level. Most every company is in the middle, some kind of gray. Like they do some great things, maybe some not so great things. And, and then to you personally, how much do you care about which of those things? All right. So I'm just highlighting it's a very challenging field. Okay. That's one aspect to try to figure out where to put your dollars. The other is just because you invest dollars in that company does that change the world, okay? And this is really important. You have to think about what it is that you want to accomplish in the world. What are your goals? If your goals are, I'd like to do more for to fight climate change, okay, good goal, great goal. What can you do about that? Is investing in a company that makes clean energy the best way? Is investing in a company that's been in the oil industry but is trying to make more clean energy a good way? Or is spending your time and going out and doing 
activities is a best way or is putting solar panels on your own house the best way. So there's a number of ways of trying to accomplish that goal. And I'm not convinced that putting money into companies that are doing some good things in the world is the best way of impact, you know, reaching your goals and impacting that. Yeah, there's quite a few things there. Now, I will say this at the end. I don't want to say this is the old sugar arguments. Hey, just sow a little bit of confusion and then people throw up their hands and be like, ah, whatever, sugar is probably fine for you. So I don't want to, I don't want to go too far. I do think it's good. There's some, you know, great funds that maybe limp quote unquote bad guys if you don't believe in tobacco or guns, things like that. You can get those out of your portfolio and then they, they're not getting your dollars. And that might be a great first step. And that's a pretty easy one. You can still use low cost index funds, but the rest gets pretty hairy for me. It really depends on your personal goals. And I would suggest that if you really wanted to invest your dollars in something that you believe in, that you have to look specifically for those investments mm. and not just take a shotgun kind of bucket, wide bucket approach. It's interesting. I, first of all, it really resonates with me, the point that if you're looking at putting your investment dollars toward a company or a bundle of companies that you think these are the ones that are doing good, one of the basic lessons of economics is that the function of price is to send information. It's a signal between two parties in a transaction. And so if you're buying this company, how much of, of your message is getting through? In aggregate, one could argue, yeah, I mean, over time, if you do good things, that should make a difference. On the other hand, the other part of what you're saying is that marketing can really muddy those waters so much that it's unclear what signal the market is receiving and what signal they're sending back. That does sound like a challenge. I wonder a little bit, let me push you with a thought on, you have to get specific. It's unlikely that just throwing money at a broad index of, oh, this is generally good, will work. What do you think about the idea of hand-selecting a portfolio of here are a few companies or a few projects, investments that I think are generally good. And I'll give you a specific example. I did this kind of approach recently with charitable giving at the end of the year. I decided that I wanted my kids to get a little bit of a lesson in responsibility, in charity, in kind of what the world of need was out there. So I set a budget and I told the kids, here's a list of eight charities that I've selected for you. And I want you to research them and do a presentation and you decide, here's the budget. <laughs> And you can put all the money to one charity or you can do it among several. And the the function of it was lesson than anything else because I don't think there were any bad choices on the list. Mm -hmm. But more to the point, what do you think about the upshot of in your own personal investing, if you're interested in socially responsible investing, of saying, all right, I'm going to pre-select a group of potential investments that I think are pretty good, but I know there's an uncertainty factor with all of mm -hmm. them. And some of them may be more marketing than reality. But if in aggregate, I invest toward that bundle, not a broad index, but that mm -hmm. bundle, yeah. then I'm mitigating some of those uncertainties and ups and downs. And in aggregate, I'll probably be doing more good that's more mm -hmm. aligned with my values than not. First, I can't believe you assigned your kids an extra whole research project that they had to do outside of school. And secondly, you know what they learned? Only one, you mean? <laughs> or... Here's what they actually learned. How to give away dad's money. That's what they learned. Well, true. That's true. That's awesome. The money was being given away. So right. I wanted them to have 
the sense of yeah. responsibility. And look, they took it pretty seriously. Like they really, awesome. they spent a couple hours on this and they really read up and they made some really interesting decisions, but that's another discussion. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it was interesting. I'm sure you learned a lot too. I actually um. did learn something. I didn't know, for example, that there are 32 million blind people in the world and that 90% of cases of blindness are preventable. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. That was an insight that I learned through my kids' mm-hmm. research and their decision about where to invest our charitable dollars. Anyway, crack, go on. Crack research team you got I there. I might Pretty hand good. them some hand them some projects. So I think you're onto something in terms of a couple things. One, what is it you want to accomplish? I think that's really important. If you want to have more gender diversity, more women leadership, more fighting climate change, like what are the goals you're really interested in moving forward? And again, how to best reach those goals. Now, investment could be part of that. So you've identified a few companies that are moving in the right direction that you really like their mission, and you can invest in them directly. And it accomplishes a couple of things. One, you're supporting organizations that you really believe in. You're hoping to get some return. So we're not talking about charitable giving, but I put this under the bucket of impact investing, taking $10,000, put it into a specific investment, one company or one startup or whatever it is, hoping they do really well, hoping you get a return, but you're really aligned with how they're operating and what they're doing in the world. That's great. Recognize even if you did that five, six, 10 times, that's not a diversified portfolio. So I would not take your retirement funds and and put it into 10 or 15 of these different ideas and say, great, you should get a a pretty decent return. Now you have no idea. You need to get above 40, 50, 60 companies across different sectors, US international, all kinds of stuff to get a nice diversified portfolio. So I would not do that, but it does two things. One puts your dollars to work and things that you hope to do well in the world. And two, you mentioned this, it makes you feel really great about that. You've done research, you're putting dollars in there. You get to watch it, whatever they're doing, because you're going to follow them and track them and, and see how that, that company's doing or that idea is moving forward. And that all creates a lot, of, a lot of positive energy and emotions. And I really believe in that. Aligning, live in alignment with your goals. And there you're doing it. You're saying, look, I didn't take 100% of my retirement portfolio, my investment portfolio, but I'm putting some dollars to work in things I believe. It makes me feel great, and it makes me be involved uh, in the progress of these things. And that's wonderful. Well, on that very nice thought, let's maybe move from the sublime to the profoundly mundane or maybe even the – I don't. I, what do you call crypto? I, I feel like we got to talk about the, crypto. How about the bizarre? Yeah. It's, <laughs> look, there are people who are so into crypto. There are crypto evangelists out there. Oh, yeah. And then there are people like me who I just I, – I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to think about it. Yeah. I don't like it. It scares me. It's new. It, it's what's, a, what's an NFT? Why do I want to buy your doodle of a thing <laughs> that you that, – oh, and it's only one of these on the internet, so it's worth right. something. But look, that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> I do think we have to talk about crypto a little bit because when it comes to the markets and policy and government and everything that we focus on this show – it was a big deal this year. Yep. What's your ta- we can do a whole show on crypto and investing in cryptocurrencies and, and what that landscape is like at another time. But in terms of the look back to 2021, what was your takeaway on crypto? What should people think about and know from this past year? So a couple of thoughts. One, to piggyback on what you're saying, invest in things that you understand. All right. So if you do not understand crypto or don't really believe in it or not sure, don't invest in it. And that's fine. 
Okay. It could be, it could do really well. It could grow for 10 or 20 years and do fantastic. But here's my belief on that topic. Invest in things, you know, if you only invest in companies that make products and services that people want to buy, AKA the U S stock market, the international stock market, I think you're going to be fine. People are still going to want to buy those goods and services and those companies will do well and they'll have profits and therefore shareholders will be rewarded. And I think your investment portfolio will do just fine without having any crypto at all. All right. So that's point number one. Now, in terms of looking backwards on crypto this year, of course, it's been around for a few years. We're talking about Bitcoin, Ethereum, Dogecoin, all these things, NFTs. They've been around for quite a few years, but this year in particular, I think it's really taken off. The retail investors have gotten more involved and that retail investors just means everyday people. That's now easy with Coinbase and other areas to, to go ahead and buy these. It's coming out on all kinds of things like Venmo, I think now has like invest in crypto. You can click the button. So it's going to become more and more mainstream that you can put dollars into these digital assets. And I have no idea what's going to happen next. Honestly, it's bizarre to me for a number of reasons. I love the technology. My background's in technology, using the blockchain and everything. I think this is going to solve a lot of problems. It's going to be amazing. We're going to see some really cool products and apps come out using these types of features. So that's going to be incredible. In terms of investing in it, it could go up and it could go to zero. There's no intrinsic value to these, in my opinion, right now. There's, this is not a company making goods and services that people buy, all right? That has intrinsic value. You own real estate, you own buildings, you own stuff if you're a business. So there's value. Gold has intrinsic value. It's used in electronics. It's used in jewelry. So there is intrinsic value to gold. But Bitcoin, there's no intrinsic value. You're just trading it to someone else. You bought it for some money and you're trading to someone else for some money because you both believe that it's worth that amount. That's cool. And maybe it will continue to be used in newer ways and continue for people to want to trade it and buy it. But that's kind of where I am in terms of investing, looking back on the crypto and all these things. But in terms of investing, just invest in what you know and what you believe in. And if you do want to get involved in crypto, make sure you have the story for why it is you're getting involved. What's your plan? What's your thesis? What's the idea? When do you get in or out if you're going to? That's the planning process. Make sure that you have thought about all of that ahead of time. You know, that's really a terrific piece of wisdom. I, I, I love everything you're saying there, especially the part about the fact that there is such a thing as intrinsic value. Look, we're talking about money, which is by its very definition what the philosopher Yuval Harari calls an intersubjective idea. It's not something that we can touch, right? You can touch money. But the value of money is something that we've all decided. We all agree this has some value. But your point is that it used to be that all U.S. money was backed by gold, which has some value. It's a metal. You can do things with it. It has some value. Or in the case of bonds, we have a long shared history that we've built up in our minds that they're backed by the enterprise of the United States of America and by our government, which represents us. And therefore, it has credibility. It has a certain amount of inertia and heft and reality to it that you can literally bank on. You can put faith and stock in it. Again, I'm using a ton of puns that I don't mean to here. What I really don't like is with Dogecoin and Ethereum and all these and Bitcoin is that we really are blasted off into the realm of let's just all agree for now. We'll play pretend that these are valuable things. And I know the poet Emily Dickinson talked about 
creating imaginary gardens with real toads in them. All of these things that we talk about on this show in terms of investment are imaginary gardens. But some of them have real toads in them. And it feels to me like cryptocurrencies just don't. All right. We are rounding the bend on that super highfalutin thought from me. We are rounding the bend on the tail end of this show. Let's finally just give a little bit of a preview, a little bit of a look ahead to 2022. What stands out to you? What are you looking forward to? What unanswered questions do you have? What are you anticipating? What what stands out about 2022 to you? Yeah, looking forward. I love that question. For one, I think we talked about it a little bit at the start of this show or the previous episode around what's the stock market going to do. I don't spend a lot of time thinking about that. What I do spend a lot of time thinking about is the plan based on what it does. If it's up 20%, what am I doing with my clients? If it goes down 30%, what am I doing with my clients? Or do they have the right mix of cash, bonds, stocks? So I would first look at that. We have no idea what's coming next. We've said that in 2022. But make sure you have a plan. If the market's up 20% or down 30%, what are you going to do about that? Now, your plan could be nothing. Great. I'm just going to keep putting money in my 401 maxing out my 401k into the target date fund. That was my plan last year. That's my plan next year. Fantastic. Perfect. You have a plan. That was great. That's all. So make sure whether you're at the start of your career, middle, you're in retirement, that you know what you're going to do with your portfolio in the stock market, depending on what happens next. The other thing that I think about going forward is inflation. Because it's definitely finally come around. We've wanted to get to 2% inflation for the last decade. Hey, we finally got there. Oh, wait, we're at like 7%. (laughs) Whoops, too much. I think it's very interesting. I love trying to figure out why that is. Personally, I think it's a lot about supply and demand, which is pretty interesting as well to read about and get to know. But in terms of how it's going to affect your personal life and what are you going to do about it, just make sure, again, that you have some planning around that. Goods are going up. Goods and services are costing more. So I was on a recently talking to someone and she said, now's a great time to ask for a raise. It's hard to hire people. This is your opportunity to, you know, if you're staying in the same job, great, but go in, ask for that raise. Uh, and I thought that was really good advice. So things like that, knowing, I think inflation will stick around for a little while. And so knowing that just making sure that you're invested properly, I think stocks is a great place to be when we're talking about inflation, I bonds, We've talked about those. That's a great opportunity to take advantage of. If you want to use some tips maybe in your portfolio for unexpected inflation, they tend to do well in that kind of environment. And wages, just make sure your job is going to be keeping up with where you're going and your goals. And one of the things that I'll just chime in on as a meta takeaway from everything you just said is the value of perspective. And it goes hand in hand with a plan. But look, Take inflation and gas prices, which are up pretty high right now. They're actually lower than they were for a four-year period between 2010 and 2014. So a lot of where you stand depends on where you sit and the perspective that you bring to it. And I think one of the values of having a plan is that it adds the possibility in your mind, hey, the stock market might be overheated, but it might not be. It might continue to go up. So what are you going to do in either scenario? You're prepared for the possibility, and you also have the perspective of where you just came from. And look, nothing is necessarily inherently bad or good. You can work around it and plan around it. I think that's a very valuable thought to look ahead with. So look, hope 2022 is better overall than 2021. 
And it's been a pleasure doing this show all year with Mike Morton, Morton Financial Advice. Thanks for being on. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining us on Financial Planning for Entrepreneurs. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to and rate the podcast on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can connect with me at LinkedIn or mortonfinancialadvice.com. I'd love to get your feedback. If you have a comment or question, please email me at financialplanningpod at gmail.com. Until next time, thanks for tuning in. This recording is for informational purposes only and should not be considered for investment advice. Opinions expressed as are of the date of recording. Such opinions are subject to change. We do not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of the data presented here.